0: From the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. So as we turn to these verses from Paul's letter to the Colossians, our passage this morning is brief, four verses. And the difficulty in looking at a shorter passage is that we can miss the forest for the trees. But I think that this passage is important to take the time with because there is there's a lot that Paul packs in here, and it serves as a strong foundation for us as we pursue the call to holiness that we are called to. Now, every book of the Bible, as with the whole letter of Colossians, is worth our time and study and application. But I find this passage beneficial for us this morning as a, uh, a standalone, I guess we can call it, because this passage is beneficial because it contains a warning, a challenge, And most importantly, what is necessary, what we need every day, it has tremendous assurance. Tremendous assurance. So the warning keeps us from falling in the same steps as the false teachers that Paul warns about. And that is in chapter 2, if you wanted to look into that later today or later this week. And the challenge calls us to seek a holy living. And the assurance, the assurance serves as the grounds of how, how we are able and the motivation of why we seek out a holy living. Now, these three aspects, challenge, warning, and assurance, were necessary for the Colossians as they were seeking to live in their community. And it's also helpful for us in this day and age, because I think for, for the most part, We're hesitant with warnings. We don't like them. We don't like the confrontation that comes with warnings or the potential pain that comes due to warnings. There's an assumption with warnings that we have been doing or we will be doing something wrong. And the reality is that's because usually we are. This also means that warnings are necessary they give advance notice of potential danger. I think we would all want advance notice if we were blindly about to walk off a cliff, for example. Now, Paul's advance notice or warning this morning is, don't set your minds on earthly things. Now, first, to understand this, we need to know what Paul means by set. For it's impossible for our minds not to be on earthly things. From the moment we wake up to the moment we fall asleep, our minds are on things pertaining to this world that we simply can't ignore. For example, I had to watch the time, check a schedule, figure out the route that I was going to take here this morning to make sure I was here on time. You can't ignore these things. We can't avoid it. So what does Paul mean by set? Well, by, by set, what Paul means is that intense focus, that ongoing, continuous effort. What drives what we do? For example, professional athletes will often eat and sleep with the focus of their game. They'll eat certain meals on game day. They will eat certain meals the day before. They will sleep a certain schedule. And it's all dictated by their focus, their sport. Their goal, obviously, isn't that particular meal or that particular aspect of their schedule. The goal is the game. And everything contributes. Everything leads to achieve that goal. Their mind is set on their game, allowing that to influence all other decisions. So that allows us to begin to see what type of thinking, what type of focus we don't have to worry about, those everyday things that we can't avoid. But what Paul means is that intense, ongoing focus. So understanding what Paul means by set, we also need to understand what Paul means by earthly things. Paul is arguing against any practices any desires, any focus that distracts us from worshiping Christ, who alone is worthy and deserving of our worship and praise. And this worship is in all that we do. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. So Paul is not calling us to, as believers to escape or withdraw from the world we're called to have the proper focus. So understanding these two aspects, what Paul means by set and earthly things, we need to take this warning and ask ourselves, what is our focus? Where does our mind go when we don't have anything to do in our free time? What shapes the answers we give to the questions we face in life? For example, questions such as, where will we vacation this year? What will we feed our families? Where will we send our children to school? How will we spend our retirement? Questions such as, what job shall I take? What friends, what people do I surround myself with? Now, there's nothing wrong with these questions. There's multiple answers to these questions that are good answers. The issue is what motivates us, what directs us to those answers. How we view the world, how we view our place in the world, determines how we answer these questions. Is it an earthly view or a heavenly view? It's not easy to look deeper, to search where our hearts are, And minds are set. Another way to think of this is what are we not willing to part with? We see an example of this in the Gospel of Matthew with Jesus and the rich young ruler. So Matthew 19, verses 16 through 22 reads, And behold, a man came up to him, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now there's obviously a lot in that text to look at, but what I want to focus on, look at is, what would cause us to go away sorrowful as we would be unable to give up the earthly things, the treasure that we were asked? Wealth? A position of respect? Family? What's the treasure that we hold on to? For Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also As the sport shapes and drives everything for the athlete, what shapes and drives our decisions? What are we unwilling to let go of? What do we grasp tightly to? The answer to these questions will help us to see what we view is our goal. Is it our best life now or the eternal life in Christ? And as we ask these questions, we need to remember that we are in a life of progression. As our text says, and we'll get into more detail later, we will not appear in glory, perfection, until Christ returns. We live in a tension of the already and the not yet. We're already saved and hidden with Christ. We are not yet glorified, made perfect. So as long as we are looking forward to Christ's return, as long as we are in this tension of already and not yet, we will find answers to these questions that we don't like. But it's good to search. And as the Holy Spirit convicts us, weeds we have can ask for the strength given by the Spirit to root them out. That's part of our sanctification. We can't by the Spirit put to death, as Paul calls us to in verse 5, these aspects of our heart's desires, if we don't know what they are. So we ask ourselves, as we ask ourselves these difficult questions, as we confront and cut away what needs to be cast off, remember your identity. If we were to read through the entire letter of Colossians, we would very quickly see that Paul emphasizes our identity throughout this letter, and it is extremely important for us to remember. For us to remember in a culture that wants to identify us in as many ways as possible, divide us in as many ways as it can come up with, our culture will even come up with new ways to identify us, to place us in smaller groups. Our identity, despite what the world, what others may try and tell us, despite what may appear, but not in actuality be appealing, our identity is that we are in Christ. We have been raised With Christ, Paul says, we have died with him, we have been buried with him, and we are hidden with Christ. So we will be revealed with him. Our identity is that we are in Christ. So since we are in Christ, seek the treasures that are in Christ, heavenly treasures. For even though our hearts And minds are not always set on Christ so that we see this clearly. We truly, truly have been richly blessed in Christ. Ephesians 4, verse 7 reads But grace was given to each one of us. Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. It's because of the riches that we receive in Christ, that we are able to set our hearts and minds on things above. It is by his grace that our hearts are turned from stone to flesh. And it is by his grace that we will no longer be conformed to this world, but rather being transformed by the renewing of our minds. So with our hearts And minds being renewed. This is a process. There's progress. Our seeking Christ grows during our days. This seeking after Christ should direct our decisions to all those questions we asked earlier and more. This seeking after things above should overflow into our conversations, our friendships. Our studies, our work, our play. There's no thought, no activity that is so little that it's not worth taking to Christ. We submitted all before Him, letting Him guide us and lead us in the appropriate answers. And this seeking and submitting to Christ should make our identity shine outward for those around us to see more clearly each and every day. And this will, as we know, take tremendous effort and concentration. And though we may struggle to see progress, God will bear fruit through it. For God started that work in us, and he will bring it to completion. So, so far, we have seen the warning, don't set your hearts on minds and minds on earthly things. Then there is this challenge that by the gifts Christ bestows on us, we are to set our hearts and minds on heavenly things, the kingdom. Now here's the assurance. We can be assured that the risen Christ has the right and the power to bestow his grace to give whatever gifts he sees as good and necessary in our renewal and seeking, because, as our text says, he is seated at the right hand of God. This is speaking to the exaltation of Christ. Christ, seated in the heavens, sovereignly rules as king. Now, this is an allusion to Psalm 110, verse 1, which reads, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The exalted Christ, our King, who has, who has and will have victory over all his enemies, is in a position of supreme power and authority over all creation and is from whom we receive these gifts. And as he is our king, he enables us to gain victory in our struggle against all the earthly things that seek to draw us away from him. So even though there are probably many days that we may doubt that victories over the earthly desires exist, we have assurance in this as well. We will, by the grace of God, over the course of our lifetime, strengthened by his Spirit, struggle and fight and push and make headway against the earthly things until that glorious day when Christ returns and we will have the final, complete victory. We are assured in this because our life Right now, hidden with Christ, and Christ is our life. There's no separation there. This is an unbreakable bond. So as surely as Christ reigns and has victory over all his enemies, and his enemies will be made a footstool for his feet, so we shall have victory in him. Now this also puts into perspective the timeline we might expect victory. Naturally, it's not when we might prefer it. We would like it sooner than later. But our victory, our appearing in glory, victorious over all the battles of the flesh, is not till Christ appears in glory. So, we look forward, grounded in the assurance that we are are in Christ. For just as we have died with Christ, have been buried with Christ, raised in new life in Christ, we will appear with Christ. So sure of this, Paul writes to the Romans as if this has already happened. Romans 8, verse 29 through 31, we read this glorious truth. For those whom he foreknew... Now, this allows us to patiently, patiently endure whatever each day contains, for we have that blessed hope. In the tension of the already and not yet, hope enters. Through the hope we already have in Jesus Christ, we are able to look beyond the earthly desires surrounding us. Through the hope we already have in Jesus Christ, we are able to seek to draw our hearts and minds to the certainty that we have in the not yet. Our focus is not, is not on where our hearts and minds still need to be reset, still need to be corrected. Rather, our focus is is on the certainty of the glory of Christ's appearing and our sharing in that. We then, as a result, live in a way of that certainty that expresses the reality of that glorious appearing of our Savior, not because of anything we do, not because of anything we can do, but because we are united to Christ for it's in Christ that we discover what we can't find in ourselves. We discover the reality of life here as pilgrims, as our citizenship is in heaven. As we continue in this life, we will be shaped increasingly by the life of Christ. We will be conformed closer to the image of Christ, who is our head. We will increasingly become heavenly-minded. Maybe you're familiar with that phrase that someone is so heavenly-minded, they're no earthly good. That's not what Paul is talking about. We should be so heavenly-minded, shaped by Christ, that in faithfulness to him, we do more earthly good for Christ and his kingdom. So looking at this passage let's take the warning seriously. Let's look within ourselves and see where our hearts and minds are set, confronting whatever earthly things are drawing us away from Christ. But importantly, let's take to heart the deep assurance that is found in this passage. As we examine our motivations and the treasures we seek, Let's look to Christ, our sovereign king, who benevolently extends his grace and the gifts we need in his time. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you in Christ Jesus. So let us also take comfort knowing that unbreakable union We have with our Lord as our lives are hidden with Him. And in His time, when He appears in His majestic glory, we will appear in glory as well. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, what a treasure it is to hear these truths this morning how we are not only raised with Christ but hidden in him and he is our life may we never grow tired of hearing that deep assurance of what we have in Christ so we ask lord as we as we hear your word this morning as we studied it and Looked at the truths, contained it therein, planted in our hearts. Planted in our hearts, Lord, as a seed that grows, that goes strong and comes to our lips, that we may speak this to one another, encouraging one another, strengthening one another of that blessed hope we have. May we recognize this tension of already and not yet being thankful for what we already have and being certain in what is in the not yet. May it shape us in the days to come, Lord, that we will become more heavenly-minded, that our hearts and minds will be set on you and your kingdom. May this shape our walk in the days to come. May it shape our conversations, May it direct the answers that we give to questions, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that part of this shaping, part of this setting our hearts and minds is this blessed gift of the church that you've given us, this community, as we walk alongside one another. So give us the patience, Lord, to endure whatever tomorrow brings. Give us the strength by your Spirit to Cut away what needs to be cut away. The humility to look within ourselves and to help those around us when they do the same. And so, Lord, we pray this knowing that it's all by your will. And we thank you for this time that we can come to you. And so, Father, we lift this prayer to you through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever praised, world without end. Amen.